Thanks, guys. If you've got your Bibles there, please, or whatever else you're using to uh, have the Scripture recorded there on it. Two Kings is where we're looking at. Two Kings and chapter 6. And I want to read from verse 8. Two Kings, chapter 6. And from verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because of the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dotham. Then he sent horse and met strong force there. They went out by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness and Elijah had, as Elijah had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this uh, beautiful day. A beautiful day that you've made, a day that we're able to just put aside the things that we would be normally doing during the week and just have this time out with you. Lord, help it to be a real time out together as we listen to you, as we talk with you, as we let you talk with us. So Lord, open our eyes this morning that we may see Jesus afresh and all that he has and wants to say and do in our lives, Lord. We commit ourselves to you now. We thank you for your presence with us in your precious name. Amen. One of the uh, most uh, unpleasant and yet common experiences, I believe, that we all go through at one time or another in our lives is that sense of being completely overwhelmed or overrun by life's circumstances and life's trials. Have you been there? If you haven't, 
a matter of time, but I'd be surprised if you haven't already. Or some of you may be right in the thick of that now. Completely overrun, just overwhelmed with stuff going on in your lives. We prefer absolutely not to be in that space. We would prefer absolutely to be in charge, to be in control and ably manage the challenges and the demands, you know, that everyday life brings. We would like to be in charge and in control of that, correct? So what happens when that doesn't work? What happens when that just simply does not work? Well, often stress and anxiety does arise. We get stressed, we get anxious. Sometimes if that continues, we can even get burnt out. Wrong picture, please turn that off for a minute. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> not yet. Now they're distracted. No, they're not. Stress and anxiety. Let me read this to you first. Stress explains one encyclopedia says this is a term that we use to refer to any external influence that disturbs the natural functioning and internal equilibrium of the mind and body. Stress is produced by major changes in life or emotional uh, disturbances. That's what one of the dictionaries says. None of us really likes to think of, none of us likes to be overstressed. We don't want to be in a stressful environment, correct? And as you've already seen, I love that cartoon. It's been around for a while. You often used to see it on, on office walls. It's been around for a while, but I love it. And that's why I want to put it up again of this little goldfish. Look at that. Can you read the little caption? There he is swimming around. You know what he's swimming around in, don't you? And underneath the caption says, and you thought there was stress in your life? And this morning, I want to talk about someone else. Thanks, Rod, you can turn that off now. They're going to be looking at that all the time. I want to talk to you about someone else this morning um, who experienced a great deal of stress and anxiety in their day. Someone that you might say who also felt completely overwhelmed and just overrun by life circumstances. And, of course, we're talking about this person that we just read about in Two Kings. Elisha's servant. Let me read to you again that verse from 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God got up, and he might have had a pretty good sleep that night, I don't know, <laughs> but when he got up that morning and went out early the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. When he looks up and sees this and he says, Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Um, and there's no doubt that Elisha's servant felt a bit like that goldfish, trapped and at any moment just be turned into mash or mince. He was completely overwhelmed and to his way of thinking was about to be overrun and destroyed by what he saw. Um, and I don't think you and I would have been any different in the way we would have felt had we been in his shoes on that day. Obviously, he did not wake up um, that morning expecting to be confronted by a hostile army of thousands of soldiers, horses and chariots. I don't think that was on his agenda for the morning. If you've ever seen the, uh, the war classic Zulu, have you seen that? I don't know how many times I've seen Zulu. You'll remember that scene, that scene when there was, only, when there was about 150 soldiers who were in that little British outpost uh, called Rourke's Drift 
natal province in South Africa back in 1879. One day they also looked out towards the hills where they too were overwhelmed by the sights and sounds of thousands, 4,000 plus very unfriendly Zulu warriors that just stretched in a line from the, across the horizon from one end of where they could see to the other. They looked out and they saw this massive army of Zulu warriors, very unfriendly people at that time. And uh, you can imagine being in that situation perhaps and how they felt. They were hopelessly outnumbered and understandably when they got up and they saw that, they too were beginning to experience rising levels of anxiety mixed with just plain fear. And then of course there was the colour sergeant, a guy who also would have been pretty fearful of what he saw but he was an amazing character, this particular colour sergeant who portrayed a brilliant, calming and stabilising role of a professional soldier to the other soldiers there. Uh, he played an amazing part. And can I just say, most of you might know, there was 11 VCs awarded in that campaign. It really happened, of course. 11 VCs, and it was the largest number of VCs ever awarded to a single unit in a single event. And if, I don't know why they did this. Maybe I do, but for years they played this movie at the Kapuka Recruit Training Battalion where I was at once. They played it a number of times. They never really told us why they played this movie. Daryl, did you ever see that? There you, there you go. And that was many years ago. They played this movie, even when I was there, when Daryl was there, which was a long time before me. <laughs> they played this movie, and I just think it was for inspiration. Perhaps training. I don't know why they did this, but they played a number of times. It's a great movie. Anyway, I'm raving on a bit there. But have you ever felt like that yourself? Have you ever felt that you're about to be overrun by the circumstances in your life? Overwhelmed and just completely outnumbered. And you say, and you hear you say, you know, you say to yourself, what on earth am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ever been in that situation? Just like it was for Elijah's servant who came to his master and said those very words in verse 15. Oh my Lord, he says, what shall we do? And you just notice that in the scripture the Lord's got a little L there because he's addressing Elijah. We need to address the Lord with a big L, don't we? But he was addressing Elijah there. What are we going to do? And it's interesting, you know, when you think about this, when you're about to be annihilated or trampled underfoot by a huge army of hostile warriors and you express this concern to someone else who happens to be in the same predicament as you and then you hear them say to you basically, well, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You'd either kind of look at that person and think, mate, you have really lost it. You've really lost it. Or you actually do know something that I don't. And as we read this story, as we read this account here before us in the scripture, we can rule out the fact that Elijah had lost it. Well, no, he, ha he hadn't lost it at all. But he did know something that his servant didn't. He did know something that his servant didn't. Verse 16, Do not be, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more 
than those who are with them. Yes, Elijah, the man of God, knew something. In fact, he knew someone. Someone who was far more powerful, more awesome than any army that the world could ever, uh, ever do, ever arrange. He knew someone, someone far more powerful than any army. And that someone was the same person that, the, that King David had known and trusted when he said these words in Psalm 3, verses 5 to 6. Listen to what King David said. Knowing this someone that Elijah knew. David says, I lie down and sleep. Listen to these words. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Awesome words. And again, when he said in Psalm 27, 1 to 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Hear God's word this morning. Are you letting it sink into your heart this morning? So this same God, this same God who inspired King David to write that psalm was the same God who inspired his prophet Elijah to say to his overwhelmed servant that day who looked and saw thousands of these warriors around him, horses and chariots. And, his, and, and Elijah was able to say, don't be afraid of them. Don't fear them. Why? Well, because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Do those words sound familiar? Something in the New Testament perhaps comes to memory as we think of those words this morning. We've read them just recently when we did the epistles of John. 1 John 4 verses 4 and 5. Remember what John said there? You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, can you finish it? is greater than the one. I think we should read that together. Let's read that, that whole verse together. Here we go. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one. You love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Do you know him? Then you're indwelt by his spirit and that spirit is far greater in you than any spirit or anything else in this world. That is an awesome place to be. That's why you can rest in him. That's why you can trust. That's why you can be at peace when everything else is in turmoil. What an awesome God. Elisha was able to trouble, was able to, cut, uh, to comfort his troubled and fearful servant, his anxious servant. Not with a whole bunch of uh, clever philosophical quotes that sometimes we hear. Not those things. I don't think those things really work, to be honest. But Elisha was able to comfort his servant 
and meet his needs with the living words of substance and truth for he knew and he had absolute confidence in the God of infinite resources and power. If you really want to comfort someone, if you really want to meet that need, don't use all the worldly stupid things. Sorry, I'm being a bit... Some of them are good. Look, some of them are okay. They're okay. But if you really want to meet that heart need, then use God's word. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. Living words. God's words. Infinite power touches human hearts like nothing and no one else can. So can I ask you this morning, do you know where... Personally, do you know where to find these living words yourself? When you're in this predicament, if you're in there now, if you feel overwhelmed and stressed out, do you know where to go to find those living words that Elisha used to share with his servant? Do you know? Can I ask you this? Do you know the author of those words? Do you know him personally this morning? What a difference he makes. And so many of you here can speak from experience. You can say, yes, Jesus makes all the difference. He takes away that fear. We have confidence in him. He never lets you down. There are things we don't always understand why God does things. We don't understand. The Bible says the secret things are with God. But we know he loves us. We know he cares for us. We know he has promised to be with us always, always even to the very end of the world. Do you know this one this morning? He makes all the difference when you look to him, when you draw from him in those times of need that we all have and are yet to go through. The other thing I want us to, to note here is that when Elisha's servant came to him in that state of fear and anxiety, which I'm sure we all would have can, can relate to. Elisha prayed for him. Do you see that here? Elisha prayed for him. You know, I, I believe that one of the most, if not the most helpful, greatest things you can do for someone who is afraid, who is overrun by life circumstances, is to pray for them. It may not be the only thing that you do, but I believe the greatest thing is that you pray for them. It's amazing how God has confirmed this message for me today because I tell you, this is something pretty amazing to me. Um, someone this very week, only a few days ago, a dear brother came to me and this is what he said and I'll quote. He said, I feel overwhelmed. Would you pray for me? Isn't that amazing? And what a privileged position to be in that we can do that. He said, I feel overwhelmed. Would you pray for me? And so we talked together and we prayed. What a privilege. What a privilege as we pray to employ the resources of God, to employ and to deploy his resources over someone else's life, including your own, when you're praying for them. We need to get a hold of this incredible power that we have access to and we bring it before God in prayer. We don't do it enough. Lord, help us to recognize the infinite resources that you have for us and to pray for one another. Employ them, deploy them in someone else when they come to you and they say, would you pray for me? Let's do it. And you might be here this morning because you need to hear this. And you may need to have someone pray for you after the service. Can I 
Can I encourage you? Can I invite you? Please don't leave here today until someone does that for you. It might be just where you are. Just have someone, might be someone just sitting beside you. Then pray for one another. Verse 17. And Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of chariots of fire all around Elijah. Don't you love this? I love this scene. I'm just trying to picture what this scene was. Amazing scene. Elijah knew. He knew that no matter what the enemy, how many or how strong they were, no matter how terrible things appeared, He and his servant were able to remain completely confident because Elijah knew that they could never be outnumbered or defeated when the Lord of hosts was with them. John Witherspoon, think he was a Scottish Presbyterian minister long, long time ago, apparently risked the safety of his own life when he signed the declaration, one of the signatories of the the Declaration of Independence. According to a little devotional that I read just recently, John Witherspoon, no relation, I don't think, to Reese. John, I think she'd like to think that she was related, but I don't know if that's confirmed. But John Witherspoon, long time ago, and he said this, one of the signatories of the Declaration of Independence risked his own life, and he said this. He said, if your cause is just, if your principles are pure, and if your conduct is prudent... You need not fear the multitude of opposing hosts. Let me read that again. John Witherspoon, he said this, If your cause is just, if your principles are pure, and if your conduct is prudent, you need not fear the multitude of opposing hosts. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Paul says in Romans 8.31, What then? Shall we say in response to this, if God is for us, who can be against? Aren't they magnificent words? They're for us this morning, folks. And they're for you, you, that person here today. It's for you. After Elijah prayed, his servant's eyes were opened. Funny how that happens, isn't it? When we pray, how God will open our eyes to perhaps to a whole new perspective than what we have been initially paralysed by seeing. Pray, God opens our eyes to see, to see that we're not surrounded by an enemy, not surrounded by overwhelming circumstances, but by an awesome God, by the armies of the living God. You know, and again, I wonder if you're here this morning and you do feel overwhelmed by circumstances, events in your life. Could it be that the Lord wants you to see with the eyes of faith who it really is that surrounds you today? I've got to tell you this. One one of my favourite missionary stories, there's a lot of them around. One of my favourite missionary stories, and I'm sure you've heard this one, but you're going to hear it again. I heard it when I was a very young Christian and it was just something that just bowled me over and I just stood in awe of God saying, wow, God, what a God of prayer answering you are. Um, 
and it was from a visiting missionary and I can't remember, it was quite a long time ago, I don't remember if it was her who was the person or whether she was speaking of someone else. But this is how the story goes. That this person, a female missionary, was on her way back from a particular event that she'd gone to. She had a, a fair bit of money with her. She was travelling home. Have you heard that story? She was travelling home, night fell she couldn't get home before night so she had to find a spot she found a little clearing off to the side of the road she would have prayed because she knew that in this area where she was it was known for bandits and so she prayed and she went to sleep she woke up the next morning I think she was on a bike and she headed off and got to her mission station um, sometime after that event took place Someone came to the medical dispensary of her mission station and he was being treated. And he saw her and he said to her, do you know, we saw you in that clearing that time. And she was puzzled and she said, well, why didn't you approach? And he said, we dare not with those 10 soldiers around you that night. And the interesting thing was, and she went on and she explained that that her church, her church were meeting for prayer or there was a group of people who were meeting for prayer. They were burdened at one particular time during that prayer meeting to pray for that missionary. And so they prayed for her. Guess how many people were in that prayer meeting? Ten. <laughs> ten people in a prayer meeting, ten soldiers guarding this dear missionary uh, that night. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Beautiful words. Soak them into your hearts today, folks. We need to do that. Because God is amazing. He is an awesome, amazing God of prayer. Come this Wednesday night, encourage you, 7.30. Let's enjoy meeting this same God who does these awesome things. So whenever you feel afraid and outnumbered by life's circumstances and concerns in your life, the Lord would remind you and I today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I believe that through prayer, God opens the inner eyes of our faith to see those glorious visions of unseen divisions of God's, uh, of these heavenly allies who are always there at God's command to strengthen, sustain and surround us even in the most impossible situations. Do you remember how Jesus himself said in Matthew 26, 53, heading towards the cross, he said, do you, he says, do you think that I cannot call on my Father and he will at once Put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. What I don't want us to be hearing this morning is that uh, God will always send angels around us. No matter what situation you get into, you know, you can, you can bank on these angels being there. Look, sometimes it happens, but we do know that other things happen as well. We also know that sometimes, sometimes God does and he allows other things to happen. As I said earlier, but we do know this, he has promised to be with us. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He is an awesome, powerful God with infinite resources and we need to pray and we need to commit ourselves to him. When these situations overwhelm us, we need to say, Lord, you are bigger than this. Greater are those who are with us than those who are with them.
We need to lay hold of his word, stand firm in his promises. I want to close with another story. Love this one as well. Close with this. Uh, and a, a story is told that many years ago, one bitter January night, the inhabitants of the old town of Sleswick were thrown into the greatest distress and terror. A hostile army was marching down upon them. And new and fearful reports of the conduct of the lawless soldiers were hourly reaching this place. In one large spacious cottage dwelt an aged grandmother with her widowed daughter and her grandson. While all hearts quaked with fear, this aged woman passed her time in crying out to God that he would build a wall of defence around about them, quoting the words of an ancient hymn. Her grandson asked why she prayed for such a thing so entirely impossible that God should build a wall around their house that would hide it. But she explained that her meaning only was that God should protect them. At midnight the dreaded tramp was heard, an enemy came pouring in at every avenue, filling the houses to overflowing. But while most fearful sounds were heard on every side, not even a knock came to their door, at which they were greatly surprised. The morning light made the matter clear, for just beyond the house, the drift of snow had reared up such a massive wall that it was impossible to get over to them. There, said the woman triumphantly, do you not see, my grandson, that God could raise up a wall around us? Maybe it looked a bit like that one up there, I don't know. But dear friends, you know, as we close our service this morning, do we not see and are we not strengthened and encouraged by our God who says to us, particularly in those times when we feel overwhelmed, he says to us, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. Let's pray, folks, here. Father, just get a little glimpse this morning of the awesome power of yourself as we read the scripture, as we read other testimonies of how people have proven you over the years. And Lord, I'm sure in this auditorium this morning, there are many who could say, yes, we have seen God move powerfully, awesomely, wondrously in our circumstances when we have been overwhelmed. Thank you for the victory that you bring to us. Thank you, Lord, that greater are those who are with us than those who are with them. Greater is he that is in us, Lord, than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your name. Thank you for the authority that we have in your name. And we say thank you for your great love, your mercy, your kindness, your protection. Thank you that the angel of the Lord does encamp around those who fears him. And so, loving Father, would you dismiss us into your day with a, perhaps a whole new perspective of your power, of your infinite glory and wonder. And that, Lord, you'd say such a prayer away, just a prayer away. Help us to be encouragers to each other. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to build one another up, loving each other. And Lord, as your word says, that we need to encourage one another with these words, your living words. So thanks, Lord, for being with us. And 
thanks for going ahead of us and being with us today and all the days that lie ahead. Grow us, Lord, strengthen us. Help us to be great encouragers of those who need to hear this word today. May we have opportunities to share with someone what you've shared with us today. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you, folks.